Take your Bibles and open them, if you would, to the book of 1 Chronicles, chapter number 21. Would you go there with me in the Word of God? I wrestled back and forth with exactly what to preach on, and God took me to this text and solidified it really just a few moments ago while my wife was singing. 1 Chronicles, chapter 21. If you have your place there and you're physically able, would you stand to your feet for the reading of God's Word? 1 Chronicles, chapter 21. Isn't it good to see the building full this morning? Amen. First Chronicles chapter number 21. I'm going to begin reading in verse number 18. Then the angel of the Lord commanded Gad to say to David that David should go up and set up an altar unto the Lord in the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. And David went up at the saying of Gad, which he spake in the name of the Lord. And Ornan turned back and saw the angel And his four sons with him hid themselves. Now Ornan was threshing wheat. And David came to Ornan. Ornan looked and saw David and went out of the threshing floor and bowed himself to David with his face to the ground. Then David said to Ornan, grant me the place of this threshing floor that I may build an altar unto the Lord. Thou shalt grant it me for the what? Talk to me for the what? Full price. That the plague may be saved from the people. And Ornan said unto David, take it to thee, and let my lord the king do that which is good in his eyes. Lo, I give thee the oxen also for burnt offerings, and the threshing instruments for wood, and the wheat for the meat offering. Say this last phrase with me. I give it all. Say it again. Let's pray together. Father, you have so weighed on my heart here lately on this area. I don't believe we have very long before the trumpet's going to sound. We're getting out of here. So shall we ever be with the Lord. But we're not gone yet. There's work to be done. Now take me as your vessel today. Cleanse me of sin, empty me of self, and fill me with your spirit. Help me to be a blessing. Hide me behind the cross of Christ. Now, Lord, somebody could be in the building who doesn't know Jesus as Savior. That individual's greatest need right now in life is to accept Christ as Savior. Might that person not leave this building the way he came in? May he or she come to meet the Savior of the world. Now, bind Satan and put a hedge of protection around this place. He's busy. He's a thief that comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. But Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. So bless us now. Thank you for the music, for what we've already heard, for the classes going on around the building, for the children, and for those in the nursery and others that are working, and those that are watching over us that we can be in here safely. God, would you touch everybody everywhere and do more in this service than we could ever do ourselves? And for all of it, We give you the praise and honor and glory that's due your holy name. Watch over the rest of our family while we're gone, our church back home. In Jesus' name, let the church say amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much for standing. Verse number one of chapter 21 says, Satan stood up and provoked David. How many know the devil's in the provoking business? He's a tempter. 
He doesn't want you to do right. How many of you can sense sometimes the devil is provoking you, enticing you, pushing you, luring you to do the wrong thing? Come on, put your hand up. How many of you will be glad when we get to heaven when you don't have to deal with that anymore? Amen. He's a provoker. He tried to provoke Jesus to sin. Matthew chapter 4, Luke chapter 4. He tempted Jesus. Now, James tells us we're tempted when we're drawn away and enticed. We lust. When lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. Sin, when it is finished, it bringeth forth death. I've sat on ordination councils for men that were preparing for ministry. And one of the questions we will ask these fellows preparing for ministry, Matthew chapter 4, Luke chapter 4, could Jesus have sinned? And it's always interesting to look at that puzzled face by that young man. What's the right answer? What's the wrong answer? Sometimes it sounds right, it's wrong. Sometimes it sounds wrong, it's right. Sometimes it sounds too easy to be right. Sometimes it's so easy, it is right. And sometimes I look at those guys and go, uh, well, he could have, but thank God he didn't. Can I tell you something? Jesus could not sin. I said he could not sin. You said, well, wait a minute. He was tempted to sin. He's not tempted like you and I are. We're tempted to sin because we got a sin nature. And it's like a magnet. Two magnets come together because they're made of the same stuff. You and I are made of sin. Somebody say amen. And when we're tempted, we're drawn to sin. Aren't you glad the devil tried to tempt Jesus, but Jesus wasn't drawn to sin because he don't have no sin. Amen. And we thank the Lord that the provoker may provoke us, but he cannot provoke Jesus. He provoked David to do something that wasn't good, to number the people of Israel. What's the big deal about counting people? I mean, what's the bad thing for the king to count how many people he has? That's a good thing. Here's the problem with counting the people. When he counted the people, he was leaning on numbers instead of leaning on God. How many of you know God doesn't need numbers? All right, God can defeat a bunch of people with a little if he wants to because he has the power. So David numbers the people of Israel, even though he was advised by Joab not to. Verse number seven says God was displeased. Our antenna should go up when we do something that displeases God. Not something that's unpopular. Not something that makes somebody else upset. Not something that doesn't fit in with society. Something that displeases God ought to bother us. Everyone in agreement say amen. Amen. And so David recognizes his sin, verse number eight. He turns to the seer, verse number nine. That's the prophet. God tells the seer, go tell David he's going to be punished and I'll let him pick his punishment. I wish my mama did that. She let me pick my belt, but she didn't let me pick my punishment. David, you're going to pick your punishment. Here are the three choices. Three years of famine, three months to be destroyed by your enemies, or three days under the hand of the Lord. David said, I'll pick three days under the hand of the Lord. Wait a minute. Three days under the Lord instead of three months of of the enemies or three years of famine? Yes, I'll pick the Lord. Here's why. Because great are the mercies of God. How many of you glad for God's mercy? If you're not glad about it, you must not know you woke up with brand new mercies this morning. Jeremiah said, I get brand new mercies. Why do you need brand new mercies? Because you use them all up every day. All right. And so when you spend them all, you need them all. Brand new mercies. Grace is giving me good stuff I don't deserve. Mercy is holding back bad stuff I do deserve. Now that you've been reminded of what mercy is, how many of you thank God for mercy? David said, I'll take God. Because even though God's strong and can wipe me out, he's a God of mercy. So we understand that all of a sudden God decided to destroy. The Bible says, verse number 14, 70,000 men died. And as the angel was sent to Jerusalem, that main city to destroy it, All of a sudden, God stops the angel 
and said, it's enough. And David cries out to God, oh God, forgive me. I'm the one that sinned. Don't judge the people. Judge me and my family. Please don't judge them. And all of a sudden, God, through the same prophet, says to David, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go build an altar. I want you to sacrifice to me there. And the altar is to be built in the threshing floor of Ornan, the Jebusite. How many of you know that God not only gives instructions, but he's specific about his instructions? David, I want an altar. I want a sacrifice. But I'm just telling you what I want to sacrifice. I want to sacrifice at a certain place and a certain man's threshing floor. So David goes to Ornan the Jebusite and says, look, I need your threshing floor to build an altar unto the Lord. I'll give it to you for the full price. I need it. And here's Ornan's response. Take it. As a matter of fact, don't just take the threshing floor. Take the wheat. Take the meat, take the oxen, take everything. Last statement, I give it all. Now look at this moment. How many of you know it's hard to get everything out of anybody? It's hard to get most stuff out of anybody. Listen to me. It's hard to get some stuff out of some people. But in 1 Chronicles chapter 21, Ornan doesn't respond with some. He doesn't respond with most. He doesn't respond with a little bit. His response in 1 Chronicles chapter 21 is, I give it all. He understood something that you and I struggle with. He understood something that the flesh loathes. He understood something that we battle every single day. He got it down in 1 Chronicles 21. And ladies and gentlemen, as we sit here in Jamestown, Tennessee, it doesn't matter if you're in Jamestown or if you're in Washington, D.C., the problem is the same every single place. We don't want to let go of our stuff for Almighty God, but I'm here to tell you, your life is better when you give it to Him than when you keep it for yourself. He sort of shall keep His life, shall lose it, but he that loseth His life for Christ's sake shall save it. Now, listen to me. God is not asking us to leave the service today and go out in the woods or ask the babies for a little bit of property next to their house and build up an altar and give a sacrifice there. No, no, no. Romans chapter 12 says God's not looking for animals. He's not looking for a goat or a sheep. You know what he's looking for? He's looking for you. He's looking for me. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. I'm convinced that most of us are trying to live for Jesus, but we've never died with Jesus. Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. At some point in my life, I've got to get off the throne. I've got to get out the way. I've got to determine that what needs to happen in my life, I can never pull off myself. There's a God in heaven who put the stars in space and the moon in place, the sun hanging on nothing, that it never falls down. He created man from the dust of the ground, formed and breathed in his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Ladies and gentlemen, it's not Muhammad, not Buddha, not the preacher, not the Pope, not your parents, not your friends, not your spouse, not your your kids that's asking for your threshing floor asking for your life today it's almighty God and wouldn't we all agree not only does he demand it he deserves it so to this morning for a few moments I want us to look at the life of Ornan what pushed this fellow in first chronicles 21 to say what you and I struggle saying I give it all 
Not, 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 just, not just Sunday morning. Not just Sunday night. Not, not, not just 10% of my time. Not just the choir. Not, not, not just the bus ministry. Not, not just the children's ministries. Not just a shout out every once in a while. Not just a few prayers before I eat my food. It all. My family. My plans. My future. My friends. My dreams. My time. My talent. My treasure. My everything belongs. By the way, could I remind you, when you give it to him, you got to realize he's the one that gave it to you in the first place. Every good and perfect gift coming from above. And yet we struggle with it. We want to keep part for ourselves. We want our lives to be what we want them to be. We've drawn it up a certain way. We've planned it out a certain way. We've predicted it. We're so unwilling to let God have what he wants to have. Ladies and gentlemen, let's just put our hands up today and determine God. No more playing games. No more punching the clock. No more playing church today. It's surrender or it's nothing. I give it all. First of all, let me tell you what moved Ornan. Number one, he had a reverence for his ruler. He had a reverence for his ruler. Please notice if you would, he realized the problem. He realized the problem. The Bible says in First Chronicles 21 that the angel was sent to Jerusalem. And I want you to notice that when, 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 the, when the angel was sent to Jerusalem, that the Bible says he held his sword out. And the Bible says as the angel was destroying, God sent the angel, verse number 15. And the Bible says Ornan looked back and Ornan saw that angel. That angel had been destroying Jerusalem. Notice what verse number 14 says. There fell of Israel 70,000 men. How many know that's a lot of people to die? I want to tell you what happened when Ornan saw David coming. He looked down and he saw that angel and he thought, the king's coming to me, but I'll tell you why the king's coming to me. Because people are dying in Jerusalem, and if I don't do something about it, they're going to keep dying. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we sit in the church this morning in air conditioning. We sit in the church this morning with our Bibles and our suits and ties and our, and our fancy get-ups. We sit in church this morning, punching the clock and already having our day planned out. But can I tell you, outside these walls, people are dying and going to hell. Teenagers, three out of four, graduate without their virginity. 20% of 15-year-olds are involved in immorality by the time they turn 15. Marriages are run amok. Our world can't figure out the difference between man and woman. We've got foolishness right down the road from where I am in Washington, D.C. They've been elected to figure out problems. They don't know their head from their toe. Ladies and gentlemen, and God has shown up at Faith Baptist Tabernacle and said to us as men, women, boys, and girls this morning, you don't want to give your life if nothing motivates you. Look out in this world. People are dying and going to hell. That ought to motivate us to do something about it. He realized the problem. He recognized the person. Notice what the scripture says in verse number 18. The Bible says the angel commanded Gad to say to David, to David to go to the threshing floor. Now look at verse number 21. And as David came to Ornan, Ornan looked and saw who? David. And went out to the threshing floor and bowed himself to who? David. What a day it must have been to look down the driveway and see the king's chariot. How many know the king's chariot doesn't look like everybody else's chariot? King don't drive what everybody else drives. The king don't wear what everybody else. I mean, the king's got royal garb. The king's got a royal. What it must have been like for Orin to look out and say, "What in the world is he doing at my house?" The king doesn't come see me every day. The king don't hang out at my threshing floor, and he sure don't thresh wheat with me. Can I get a witness? And I look out there, and there is the king. Oh, he must have perked up. He must have thought, "This is a big day." The king, out of all the people around, he wants something I have. Could I? Tell 
tell you, it ought to perk us up this morning that the king is in town. Come on now. I'm not talking about David. I'm talking about Jesus. I'm talking about the king of kings and the Lord of lords. If you're sitting in service this morning and say, I want my own time. I want my own life. I want my own kids. I want my own future. I want my own dreams. I don't want God telling me what to do. Why don't you look down the driveway of your life this morning and realize the one who died, who was buried and rose again. He's come looking for you this morning. He's your king. He wants your little life. He took five loaves and two fish and fed 5,000. He took a little widow's mite and multiplied. He took a little oil and meal and kept it going and he can take your life and do something about it. I think sometimes we forget who Jesus is. Jesus is not the big daddy upstairs. He's not the butler you ring the bell for when you get thirsty. He's not a prefix to a cuss word. He's not some hippie that hangs on some picture in some, on some wall. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He's the one we're singing about. He's the one we're singing to. He's the one we pray in his name. He's the reason why we live. He's the best thing that ever happened to me. He's the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star, the fairest of 10,000 to our soul. Isaiah said 700 years before he was born, he's wonderful, counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, the prince of peace, the lamb of glory, the lion of Judah, the way, the truth, the resurrection, the amen, the faithful and true witness. He's the life. He's the rose of Sharon, the star of David, the star of Judah, the star of Bethlehem. He's the rock of my salvation, my only firm foundation. He's a faithful friend who will not change. He's the cornerstone who remains the same. He's the son of God. He's God the son. Oh, by the way, he's omnipotent, all-powerful, omniscient, all-knowing, omnipresent everywhere at the same time. He's immutable. He can't change. He's eternal. He was, he is, and he is to come. Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Jehovah Nisi, our banner. Jehovah Ra'ah, our shepherd. Jehovah Rapha, our healer. Jehovah Shalom, our peace. Jehovah Shama, the Lord who's present. Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord who is our righteousness. He's the door of deliverance. The pathway of peace, the highway of holiness, the roadway of righteousness, the gateway of glory, the master of the mighty, the leader of the legislators, the head of the heroes, the governor of governors, the prince of princes, the king of kings, and the Lord of lords. The heaven of heavens can't contain them, let alone a man explain them. You can't get them off your mind. You can't get them out your hands. You can't outlive them, and you sure can't live without them. The Pharisees couldn't stump them. Pilate couldn't find a fault in them. The witnesses couldn't get their testimonies to agree. Herod couldn't kill them. Death couldn't hell them, and the grave could not hold them. He had no predecessor. He had no successor. There's been nobody before him. There'll be nobody after him. You can't impeach him, and he ain't going to resign. He's the king of kings and the lord of lords. The next time you're holding on to your life, just remember, Pastor Josh doesn't want it. Pastor Pastor Kenny doesn't want it. Your mama don't want it. Your preacher doesn't want it. Your friend doesn't want it. Your president doesn't want it. Your king wants your life. Wow. You know what it says? My king. He, rec- he recognized the person. He realized the problem. He respected his position. The Bible said he bowed himself to the ground. Verse 21. You know what's wrong with us? We don't bow anymore. I'm not talking about our physical posture. I'm talking about our heart. It's amazing what people do for their favorite singer. It's amazing what people do for their favorite player. It's amazing what people do for their favorite politician, but what they won't do for their king. He had a reverence for his ruler. Number two, he had a readiness to react. He had a readiness to react. See, See, surrender takes readiness. What got 
morning ready. Number one, he noticed the request presented. The Bible said, David said, grant me the place of this threshing floor. Listen, you got to listen when the king's talking. <laughs> I grew up in a, in a home where mama made sure I listened in church. If I didn't, she took my ear and twisted it. I didn't know it could turn that many times clockwise until she kept spinning it. You, you'd have thought it was a slot machine and she just kept twisting and twisting. And twi- you know what she was saying? God is speaking. Listen. She didn't want me going to the bathroom four and five times. I might miss something God said. Listen, listen. The problem is not that the king's not speaking. The problem is we're not listening. He noticed the request presented. Listen, David, grant me the threshing floor. Hey, listen to me. Don't miss what the king's saying this morning. Don't go to church and go, boy, I enjoyed the music. Boy, it sure was a good time. Boy, I sure like the new decoration. Boy, the courtyard looks nice. Don't catch the courtyard and miss the king. He noticed the request presented. Most Christians live in Smurf world. La, 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 la. And he, Jesus is talking and he's saying, you need to change your music. You need to get your attitude right. You need to respect your parents. You need to treat your wife better. You, 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 need, to, you need to tithe. You need to give to missions. You need to be involved in soul winning. You need to work on the bus ministry. And we leave church and go, well, it was sure good. I'm sure glad it's over. And the king goes, I'm talking. And by the way, you don't have to come to church to hear the king. Aren't you glad he talks at home too? Boy, he talks through this book. I mean, somebody said, God never talks to me. I said, don't, don't say that loud because you tell everybody you never read your Bible. <laughs> Keep that to yourself. That's embarrassing. God never talks to me. Shh. They didn't have the Bible back then. We have the Bible. Do you realize it's a miracle we have the Bible? Come on, listen, when God talks, it's revelation. When he tells it to men to write it, it's inspiration. When we read it and understand it, it's illumination. When we open it and dissect it properly, it's interpretation. When people try to wipe out the Bible, it is amazing. People say, I'm going to kill the Bible. (laughs) They're dead. The Bible's still alive. That's preservation. We have the Bible. You can't get two guys to agree on anything. God got 40 of them over a 1600 period time. And produced a manuscript that's inspired, infallible, and inerrant. From cover to cover, it's still the bestseller. The B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. Oh, by the way, it's a perfect book, a prophetic book, a preserved book, a preeminent book, a potent book, a powerful book, a piercing book, a penetrating book, a probing book, and a precious book. And you talking about God never talks to you? Shh, don't tell nobody. Open the Bible. But when you read it, don't just read it and say, I checked the box. See what the king wants. He noticed the request presented. Watch this now. He had no right to procrastinate. (laughs) Thank goodness Ornan wasn't a 21st century Christian. The king would have said, I need your threshing floor. And Ornan would have said, give me 30 days to pray about it. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, when your king asks you for something, you don't need to pray. Just give it up. When God says to you, change it, don't say, I went to the altar and prayed about whether or not I was going to do what God said. You belong to God. Save your prayers for more important stuff. Just be like Nike. Just do it. Amen. You had no right to procrastinate. More people would die while he waited. Can I ask you a question? Who has to die and go to hell before I come, become a soul winner? We're in a season of death. My wife hosted the ladies over just a couple Sundays ago. and 
I guess there were how many, honey, at the house? 30? 30. <laughs> when 30 women come to your house, you know what you do? You leave. <laughs> if you're a man and you stay, you've got problems. <laughs> or you've got drama, okay? So I said, I'm getting out of here. Where are you going? Out of here. You can't use the bathroom. With, I mean, I barely get the bathroom with the three women that live in my house. Imagine 30. So I said, you know what? I haven't been up to Nordstrom to get my shoes shine. I'll go see my buddy and get my shoes. I took three, six pair of my shoes, threw them in the bag, and found my way out of my driveway after I got several women to let me out. So I went to Nordstrom, and I saw Jonas, and, and we chatted for 20 minutes. He talked about giving me some herbs that he knew would be good for my health and we're still recovering from COVID and talked about the Lord and I walked in the mall and did my walking and came back, picked my shoes up and I told him there's a sports jacket I really like and he always gives me a good discount, his employee discount. So I'll talk to you this week. I went out of town and texted him later in the week and he didn't answer. I texted back again and said, did you get my text? I got to church next Sunday and my brother-in-law said, did you hear about Jonas? I said, no. I said, they found him dead in his car. I said, I just saw him. I just saw him. You don't get an email when you're going to die. But listen to me, neither do lost people. Folks, we don't have time to get right with God later. We don't have time to serve God later. We don't have time to surrender next year. We don't have time to serve him when things get easier. We don't have time to wait until you get grown to serve God. The time to surrender is now. Number three, and I'm finished. He had a reverence for his ruler. He had a readiness to react. Number three, he had a relinquishing of his resources. He let go. Come on, let's be honest today. What are you holding on to? God knows. You know. Preacher may not know. Family may not know. You know. Where's the error of your life? You say, God, you can't have it. You, 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 notice, it was, not a, it was not a selfish attitude. Look at verse number three. Take it to thee, 23 rather. One said to David, take it to thee. And then notice the next statement. And let my Lord the king do that which is good in his. Ladies and gentlemen, this is where we got to be this morning. God, here I am. Listen, listen. God, it's not me doing what I want to do. It's you do what you seem good to do. You send me where you want to send me. You, you, you do with my children what you want to do. Now, I'm not, I don't want them to do what I want them to do. I want them to do what you want. No, no. You take my time. You take my talent. You take my treasure. You take my dreams. You change my plan. I have decided and I've discovered that my life is better when the king calls the shots, not when I do. Amen. It's not a selfish attitude. Watch this now. It was not a solicited act. Somebody tell me what David asked for. What did he ask for from Ornan? Threshing floor. Is that all that Ornan gave? You know, I found out. We penny pinch with God. Well, I tell you what, he asked for 10%. He ain't getting a dime more. Aren't you glad Jesus didn't do that to you? I was there in the morning, but I ain't going back in the evening. And they better not even ask me about no Wednesday night. 
Huh? Aren't you glad that God doesn't do that to you? I'm going to read, but I'm not going to read that long. It's amazing how we binge watch shows and sample read the Bible. See, see, when I want my favorite meal, I don't get a piece of it on a toothpick. I get a whole plate. Amen. Do you love the Lord? How much does your Bible reading reflect, reflect how much you love the Lord? What's amazing, we penny pinch with God. Five different things while we're reading the Bible, but don't bother me while I'm watching my favorite show. I might shoot you. Take it. Let's, let's, let's not make God pity pinch. Let's not make God pick every single thing he wants out of us. Let's just lay it all down. It was not a solicited act. It was no problem surrendering all. I give it all. I love the story in the New Testament. There's offering going on. And the Bible says that Jesus was watching. How many you know Jesus is always watching? It's kind of like the thief that broke in the house in the middle of the night. He's looking for jewelry and all kinds of goods. And he started moving around with his flashlight and looking for all the expensive stuff. And he heard the voice say, Jesus is watching. He thought, somebody in here with me. He looked around, didn't see nobody, so he went back to grabbing stuff, loading up in his bag, and he loaded up a little more stuff, and he, he heard a voice say, Jesus is watching. He thought, oh, my goodness, he's got to be somebody in here. I know I'm not hearing things. He shined his flashlight. Still couldn't find He said, I must be hearing things. So he went to grabbing stuff again. He heard a voice a little bit louder. Jesus is watching. So he took the flashlight out and shined it more. Finally shined it up to the corner the wall there. He saw a cage with a bird in it. <laughs> he looked the bird square in the face. The bird said, Jesus is watching. And he looked at the bird and he said, what's your name? And the bird said, Moses. <laughs> <laughs> and the thief said, what kind of fool would name a bird Moses? And the bird said, the same food that named that Rottweiler Jesus. Jesus is watching. <laughs> and we'll tell you something. Your parents may not be watching, but Jesus is watching. And he bites like a Rottweiler, all right? The offering's going around and Jesus is watching. And there's a bunch of people with a bunch of substance that put in a bunch of offering. By the way, Jesus never condemned Rich people for giving a lot in the offering. If you have a lot, you ought to give a lot. But he looked at that widow. She had two mites. And she gave it all. He didn't say they didn't give right. He said she gave more. And I want to challenge you with this thought. It really wasn't how much she gave was how little she kept. So I'm asking you this morning, 
Because if we're not careful, we'll feel good about ourselves because we're giving more to God than other people are. And I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about our life. I go to church more. I read the Bible more. I do more than other people. The truth of the matter is you can give more than other people and keep more than they do too. Tonight, I'm asking you, this morning rather, not how much you give, but how little you keep. I was riding down the road a couple months ago preacher. I was in one of these crazy zones of schedule, you know. It's one of those things like you get up on your schedule that month and you say, it sure didn't look this crazy when I booked it. And you're going all over everywhere and it's like, why did I say yes? And I looked out the window and I looked at creation and I started talking to God and said, you know what, God? If you're not real, I'm toast. Because I've put it all in the basket. My family, my friends, my, my whole life. Look, look, they said, don't put all your eggs in the basket. Well, let me tell you something. I wasn't a good listener. I've put them all in the basket. If Jesus ain't real, just cancel me. Because you know what? I've put it all down. And sometimes we, we get a little selfish and we go, I want me back. God reminds us, only one life, so soon it will pass. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one chance to do his will. So give to Jesus all your days. It's the only life that pays. When you recall, you have but one life. Young people, don't waste your life on yourself. I know there was a wedding this weekend. I know that there's choir that sang this morning. I know that we had to put chairs out for the people that showed up this morning. But listen, don't miss the main event. The king's in town. And everybody ought to bow when he shows up. In just a moment, I'm going to invite you to the altar. Now you may say, it's not my habit to go to the altar. I'm going to ask you to abandon your habit this morning and to think very introspectively. What am I keeping? What about me is off limits to Jesus? People are dying. He wants me. There's nothing impressive about me, but he's so impressive, he can take unimpressive me and do big things with it. Come on now, that's a good God. Now today, bring it to the altar. Just tell him, just, just tell him. Maybe you get out of your seat in just a moment, just tell him, Lord, I give it all. We sing it, all to Jesus, I surrender. We lie lie. All to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him. In his presence daily live. Why don't we quit singing it and start living it? I give it all. If you're here today and you never accepted Jesus as your savior, in a moment we're going to give you a chance to give him your heart. You don't have to go to hell, but you will if you don't know Jesus. I don't like those churches that preach about hell. Well, 
Jesus preached more about hell than he ever did about heaven. He knew if he could get you out of hell, you'd be in heaven. There's only one way to get out. It's through Jesus Christ. And it's the best thing ever.